and welcome to Let It Be, a podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode 51. So, Brooke, you have written a book called Destination Simple and it hit the bookstores a couple of weeks ago and we've not really, well, we've not actually spoken about it on this show, so I thought it was time that we did. So we, we are going to use the book to segue into discussion about routines and rituals. But first, Brooke, what would you like to tell us about your book? <laughs> the book's like, nothing. Let's just talk about routines and rituals. <laughs> talk about myself. <laughs> Why did you write it? Well, increasingly I heard people talk about the idea of simplifying like this huge thing that was insurmountable because it was it affected every single part of their life you know slowing down simplifying it's like how do i how do i do a 180 on my mm. life you know mm-hmm. and that that sort of scared people and it scared me too so what i wanted to do is go quite small and quite specific in ways that people can add a moment of slow into even the busiest of days yeah. and it's basically a it's a, a you know, uh, seven or eight rituals and rhythms that I've used, some I still use every day, some I use still regularly, but not every day, that they just helped me do that. And, uh, you know, it kind of ticked all the boxes. It was practical. It was accessible. It was, it was helpful to me. So I knew that, you know, hopefully it would be helpful to other people. And it either individually or combined, these little rituals can help make up as like a significant amount of buffer or white space in your day. It doesn't seem like it when you when you even start thinking it through, but when they're put into practice, it's amazing how much of a difference something like unplugging can do mm. to your day <laughs> or single tasking, you know, and just paying attention to the one thing for one moment in your day sounds so insignificant that we kind of just go, well, that's not even worth it. But when you start practicing it every day, you start to realize different things and you start to, to recognize different things and that from there builds things like awareness and as we talk about a lot on the podcast awareness is kind of the root of so many positive changes so yeah that's kind of the the basis of it yeah no it's interesting because I read it at the same time as I was kind of pulling it together I'm, I'm currently pulling together a post of like how I structure my day you know with fast bits and slow bits mm. and there's a difference between you and me I get out an excel spreadsheet and I go here's the like the fast bits of my day and here's the slow bits of my day and like you kind of <laughs> like you just roll with it like I, I like yeah. go, I schedule them <laughs> I like this from fifth you know from 4 15 to 4 30 that's a slow bit from <laughs> but it was just interesting to me because I was working through like scheduling out for the purposes of writing a post you know which parts of my day are fast which parts of my day are slow and there was just so much concurrence between what you talk about in the book and what I actually do and I guess the the point that I'm going to try and make in this post that I'm doing is that you can have a super busy life like you and I both have quite busy lives where we're Mm. doing quite a lot but because we do factor in these slow bits to our days, it doesn't feel overwhelming. And I think that's the difference. And we've spoken about this before where 
busy itself isn't bad. It's when busy tips over into overwhelm and you're just like, I don't, you know, you start shaking and you don't know how you're going to cope with everything. And when am I going to do all the things? And you start filling every single minute with every single day and you're on, you know, you're kind of adrenaline up for the whole day. Like that's when we run into a bit of trouble. And as you said, it's amazing how just even like one minute or even just going, I'm washing the dishes and instead of figuring out how I'm going to, you know, oh, I've got little Johnny's that note, he's got swimming tomorrow and I have to pack this special lunch because they're going to be on the bus at morning tea. And like, that's what most of us are doing when we're hanging clothes on the line or washing dishes. And I just love how you say like, seriously, just while you're washing the dishes for that two minutes, just wash the dishes. And it's this tiny (laughs) moment of mindfulness that sounds so mundane and so silly, but it it just brings you back to the present. Exactly. Yeah, and it's just that little quietening of your mind. Because otherwise we spend so much time up in our heads, going around and around in circles, freaking out about things that either we can't change or it's not time to worry about yet or, you know, it, like constant obsessing over things isn't going to, to help. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we just get so stuck in our heads that sometimes something as little as, looking at the clouds for a minute or taking your shoes off in the park on your lunch break for five minutes and paying attention to what the grass feels like anything you know gosh even just sitting at your desk and taking 10 deep breaths or staying one minute longer in the toilet and taking 10 deep breaths like those little pockets of of space and slow matter you know and I think what you said is right it's when you tip over from busy and sometimes I like sometimes I feel too busy because we were talking about this before we hit record, but sometimes things all just happen at Mm. once. That's called life. Like this is not going to stop that from happening. Even if you are, you know, quite, quite regimented and quite direct with what you say yes and no to, sometimes it just happens and there's nothing you can do about it. But when it tips over into the new normal, like when you're constantly running at hectic, when you never have downtime, when that adrenaline rush feeling is just, that's just what your day feels like, that's when it's problematic. And I think to just give ourselves the gift of a couple of minutes, a couple of times a day where we slow and stop and get off the, the merry-go-round is, it's a gift, first of all, and I think it's, it's really, really, really vitally important as well. Yeah, I think that's the key is to not beat yourself up for getting into overwhelm and go, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here again. And just look at the, you know, I like what everything that you mentioned in your book, like the the rituals and the rhythms and not routines because you're not into routines, which we'll (laughs) talk about in a second. But what those are, like they're not, they're preventative techniques, but they're also management techniques as well. And I think we do get caught up expecting when we do engage in, in rituals and habits and routines, like we expect them to be preventative and then we get really frustrated when they're not preventative. <laughs> yes. And we've just got to remind ourselves that they, yes, they are preventative to a degree, but when you know, life happens, which it does, they're also very much, they're a management tool as well. And they're a management tool for getting in control in the moment and feeling on top of life in the moment, but also getting us back to that nice place where we're like, okay, we're we're not ridiculously out of control. Life's busy, but you know, I'm on it. I'm on top of it. So exactly. Yeah. So I guess this is a good point to talk about 
you know, what even is in your mind, what's the difference between, say, a routine and a ritual? So for me, routine is sort of the guiding structure to someone's day or their week, you know, and I talk about it a bit in the book that I, I prefer the idea of rhythm versus routine because for me, it allows for the flexibility that I crave while still giving me enough structure to to understand what's happening. I mean, for me, a rhythm means that my day just unfolds. It might look slightly different every day, but the things that need to happen have been accounted for in my rhythm. And so they happen, you know, but the other, the other wonderful thing I think about a rhythm is that it, you can speed it up if you need to, mm. or you can slow it down if that's what you need to do. Whereas for me, routine always felt like something that I was failing at because just my personality yeah. is not... <laughs> I'm not like I'm not rigid and I can't I, I just really struggle to stick to those rigid blocks of time just because that's that's who I am so I always felt like when I had a routine and for a long time I beat myself up over it I really thought that a successful person was someone who spreadsheeted their their, mm-hmm. their schedule and they stuck to it and every day they knew where they had to be at any given moment and they were and I, that was never me so I felt like a failure and when I shifted to this idea of rhythm where things kind of tend to happen in the same order, you know, most days, but the, the pressure to have it done by 9am wasn't there. I, I just felt this real liberation. You know, it's funny, I'm actually more effective, more efficient, more productive now that I have a rhythm as opposed to when I was trying to fit myself into a routine that just didn't work for me. And then rituals for me are I mean, a ritual, you can turn anything into a ritual. You can turn making a cup of tea into a ritual. You can turn meditation or yoga or sitting out on the back step for five minutes, drinking your coffee before anyone wakes up. That can be a ritual. And so for me, they're just moments in your day that are given a bit more weight. You know, I mean, the idea of ritual, I think, is often tied to religion and like these sacred kind of processes that we go through. And you can look at it in as deep that way as, as you want to, but... For me, it's just something that we give a little extra weight and importance to. So things like washing the dishes, like we were talking about before, if you ritualize that, it becomes, it's not necessarily the act of washing the dishes that's important. <laughs> it's not a religious but experience. Saying, no, but... <laughs> oh, look, you know, if that floats you over, that's fine. <laughs> but it's saying to yourself that I'm, you know, this is a moment that I'm going to spend just being in the present, you know, pay, paying attention to your senses. What can I feel? What can I hear? Uh, what can I see? All those things. And it just gets you out of your head as we were talking about. But to make that a ritual means that that's important. And it's something that you can almost stand up for when, when life tries to get in and, and get, you know, take over. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of the difference to me between the idea of rituals and routines and rhythms. Do you, I mean, you're a routine person. <laughs> that's because that's how you work That's how my best. brain works. And I guess this is yeah. um, probably one of the reasons this podcast works so well is that we're such different people in how we approach life, yet we get to pretty much the same place yeah. in the end. And it's cool to yeah. see. So that's, I guess, when I say how much I've learned from you in the past year, it's been nice to see not that I ever thought my way was the only way, but my way has always worked for me. But it's it's nice bringing in your way into my way, like and combining mm-hmm. it because I just it kind of gets me out of my own head, is what I find. So yes, I I love 
my routines. And so you find them restrictive. I find them quite freeing because I know what's happening when. And the the main reason I find them freeing is because I don't, when that routine is happening, I don't have to think as much. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of creates white space in my head. So if I don't have to think about what I'm doing, like all these bits of it. So when I kind of mapped out my day with the fast and the slow bits, all the slow bits are slow because there are routines built around them. To protect it. Yeah, yeah which means that in, you know, so say uh, um, between 7 in the morning and 8.30 in the morning. So 7 a.m. is kind of like when our family starts our day. So even though people might be up before 7, everyone knows before 7 o'clock is my time to myself. Mm -hmm. That's when I'm running or writing and doing stuff for myself. But 7 o'clock our day starts and that's when, you know, so we have breakfast and I make school lunches and I make the green smoothie for Ant and me for breakfast. And and that's part of our routine. So I don't have to think about what are we going to have for breakfast? Like we just have a green smoothie every day. For most, a lot of people, they'd be like, you have the same thing for breakfast every day? Oh my God, <laughs> that is the worst. But for us, like it just makes our life easier. I don't have to think that we, we basically make the exact same green smoothie. So I don't even have to think about what ingredients are going into it. And that whole between 7 and 8.30, which is a potentially really frazzled time in a lot mm-hmm. of houses because um, it's like, wear your shoes. Why haven't you got them on yet? We got to go in two minutes. Oh, my God, I haven't packed your swimming stuff. Like because I've built such solid routines around that. So not only am I able to move quite slowly through that hour and a half because I'm doing everything on autopilot, I'm having mental downtime because I'm not logistifying, you know, that whole yeah. logistics mode where – and and always says to me, he's like, you're in logistics mode right now, aren't you? Because that's when I like <laughs> completely vague out and like, you know, I'm a bit wild in my eyes and – trying to process you know, like this, this this horse that's like frothing at the mouth because I'm just <laughs> and he's just like breathe breathe I know you're in this just in logistics mode right now and I'm like I know and and I hate that mode I hate being like that so yeah. I try to reduce that as much as possible in our life by creating these routines because then yeah because then my goal is certainly in the morning is when we leave the house I want us all to be calm. I don't mm-hmm. want us to be screaming at each other. I don't want anybody crying. I especially don't want it to be me crying. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's that's why I love routines because they free me from logistics mode. Mm-hmm. They give me a sense of control without, because I think everybody who has listened to this podcast knows that's quite important to me. It gives me a sense of control. But what it is is everybody else in the house knows what's expected of them. Yep. So everybody else can do what they need to do and no, there's no surprises. There's no like me asking Jaden to do something and he's like, what? Uh, how did I even know that you needed that? And then, you know, then it descends into yelling and people being upset. So, yeah, so I, that's what I use routines for. I find them very freeing in that aspect um, and I've never found them restrictive. So even when the kids were babies and they had their sleep routine – and everyone was like, oh, but you have to, you know, you, you have to build your whole day around when your kids are sleeping. And I was just like, yeah, I know, but it's, mm. I know exactly when they're sleeping. So if you say to me, Kelly, let's go have a coffee. Like I can tell you, I can meet you at 9.30 and then I have to leave by 
Whereas I... Were your kids both both routine sleepers? Like they would stick to yes. a routine? Yes. Right. I started, and I know a lot of people would be horrified at this, I started sleep training very early with both of them. Mm-hmm. Ironically, like both of them just kind of did whatever they felt like for about the first 10 weeks. And then around the 10, me- 10 week mark, they slipped into the kind of the routine I was trying to get them into. So right. that was quite interesting. So I think that's where my my initial Aversion. <laughs> problems with routine. I mean, I, I've never been a routine person, but I didn't need to be previously, previous to kids really. Like I ran my own race and it was fine. I was kind of always a bit of a seat of my pants person and that <laughs> that was fine because the only person it really bothered was me and sometimes Ben but uh you know when I had the kids everyone's sort of you know routine you need to get a routine 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 our kids were never routine sleepers like ever yeah. they're still not <laughs> yeah and it's just who they are you know they they I mean don't, don't get me wrong they're fine now but they're not like those kids who slept incredibly well or kind of on the clock yeah. from an early age. And so I I had in my head this idea of routine, like I need to be in a routine and the kids need to go to sleep at 10 and then they'll wake up at 12. Yep. And then like, you know what? They'd probably do that for one day. I'd be like, yes, I'm, I'm a great there. parent. That's, I'm nailing it because look at me, routine, yeah. And the next day they wouldn't sleep at all. And I would just berate myself because obviously it was my fault. Like I, I, never, I never accepted the fact that maybe my kids just weren't the kids who had a really strict routine. They had a rhythm and it was actually yeah. my sister who has – she has five kids <laughs> who said to me that maybe don't aim for routine at the moment, just aim for rhythm. So what she meant by that was things still happen in the same sequence that works. So when you've got a newborn, it was, you know – feed and then a little bit of play like play time and then maybe feed again and then put them down for a sleep and then they'd sleep I'd wake up feed play feed sleep like that kind of I mean I probably got that wrong because it feels like forever ago that that (laughs) happened but (laughs) people with newborns are probably like you're an idiot (laughs) you forget Uh, (laughs) but like the, the, the whole point is that was the, the sequence of events that worked for my kids, but I was trying to squeeze them into this box of time that actually didn't apply to them. Yep. So I kept the sequence and I just did away with the idea of the timing and I felt much better after that. I didn't feel like I was failing, pardon me, failing yep. anymore. Yep. And for me and where my head was at at that time in my life, that was really important <laughs> yeah. to not feel like I was failing at something else. <laughs> you are the worst sleep routine mum ever. Ever, ever. <laughs> no, no, I do, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I was with my first, I thought like, yep, I'm just, you know, I'm very good at this. Here you go, sleep training and it worked and it's a treat. And then, and of course, Mia came along and like <laughs> tried to throw everything out the window and, and I was a bit despairing going, oh, my God, it's going to be one of those kids that never sleeps because um, she was one of those really hungry kids like there was yep. no four hours between feeds for her it was like she fed when she woke up and she fed before she went to sleep and then she fed when she woke up and I was yep. dying but yeah <laughs> but then she happily fell into that that routine and that and I realized yes um and whenever anyone said to me well how are you doing as much as you are you've got a newborn and I'm like it's flat out straight up because my kids sleep no other reason mm-hmm. and I'm not sure how much of the credit I can take for that. I think they're just both how good sleepers. 
And thank you, Lord, for that. <laughs> but yeah, and of course, yeah, because I often wonder like how much was it designed and how much of it was forced. And I think I just got lucky. Like, thank God routine mum got routine kids. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I mean, you, we really don't know. No. That's the thing. We have no idea. Like they, they may have inherited your routine. Yeah, and that's know? what I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe genetics played a part. Uh, and thank God it did because I would have. And, you know, to be fair, that's probably the case <laughs> your kids, kids too. <laughs> yeah, they're like, that's funny. She wants us to do stuff at the same time every day hilarious like she did that when she was growing up <laughs> no. no like never so that's it but yeah I do love how yeah despite your aversion to the word and my addiction to the word we still get there in the end to the same point but yeah they kind of hold the same promise yeah. for both of us just in a way that works for us individually and that's why I, I, I don't want to demonize any approach it's really about figuring out what works for people and, and I think more than anything what we both find in it is a level of security yes you know I, I like knowing with my rhythm it's it's not spreadsheeted it's not timetabled but I know similarly to you with your routine that things will happen because I've designed it that way yeah you know I've done it's not like I'm not I'm not so up in the air and seat in my pants that I don't know what's happening every day like everything is looked after everything is accounted for because I've sat down and I've designed a daily like morning rhythm and a weekly rhythm. And that includes things like work stuff, getting the kids ready for school, you know, making sure they've got their library books and housework, you know, things happen on a certain day every week so that there is that, that level of comfort because I just know what happens. I don't I, like you. Yeah. I don't need to spend a lot of head space thinking about it. So I think that regardless of, of, what you call it or how you structure it, it really does bring us to the same end. Yeah, and I think really like routines are a judge of things and rhythms are what work for perceivers. And it's, you know, the the end goal is the same. Things get done, you know, no surprises. Everybody knows when things, at least what order things are happening. So no one's going, I didn't know I was supposed to make my lunch last night. (laughs) Um, There's none of that. Everyone knows when everything's happening and so everything happens kind of in the, at least in the right order. And yeah, while I might be, you know, by 7.35, I will have had this done. And, and you know, if it gets to 7.35 and I'm like, Ugh. but then I also have now the, uh, the awareness to go, Kelly, it's not a drama. Like in the past, I would have been like, I can't believe it's 7.35 and I still haven't done this thing. Whereas now I'm like, you yeah. know what? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> You've got like yeah. 15, 20 minutes of buffer in there. It'll get done. Yeah, that's it. And you've built, you've created those tools and strategies, you know, in order for that to be the case. So I think more than anything, that's probably one of the things that I'd love to encourage people to do rather than just wait for it to kind of fall out into the right order, actually do the headwork of creating the routine or the rhythm or the rituals or whatever is going to work for you and really spend the time doing that headwork because once you do it and you do it well and you live with it for a few weeks, you don't have to think about it anymore. And it saves you so much angst and energy and headspace. Then, yeah, and this is why I put the, the idea of rhythm along with rituals, because it, it together they kind of create this much bigger and broader feel and scope of, of white space and, and margin and buffer than I ever would have imagined when I was starting to implement them one at a time, because it kind of hold hands really nicely too yeah oh, that's it and I do like um how everything you mentioned in the book and you say like you know yes you could do these things one by one or just one out of you know the seven but they do kind of all work 
really beautifully together. Things like journaling to get ideas out of your head about the same, you know, so get all your angst and anxieties and all the things that are bothering you out onto the paper, but at the same time, you can use it as a gratitude practice as well. Yeah. And yeah, so if anyone's wondering where do you get the book, just type in Destination Simple and you'll find it. It is everywhere. Yeah, it should be in book bookstores and online and yeah. whatnot. Um, so just quickly, if, you know, before we finish up, I kind of wanted, I thought it would be nice to share some of our kind of favorite daily rituals nice. do you have any favorite daily yeah rituals? <laughs> so mine mine now and it has been the case for about six months is I wake up I actually wake up to bird song which sounds like such a funny little <laughs> thing to do but my my iPhone now allows me to wake up to bird song rather than some kind of blaring alarm which I really really love it's so much nicer <laughs> oh man I just <laughs> I got it because I use my watch as my alarm my running watch yep. and um, I just got a new one and like the old one was annoying, but this one's kind of next level annoying. And I'm like, I really need to do a different alarm. It's Yeah, it's not a pleasant way to wake up. Luckily, I don't no, often. it's really like <laughs> adrenaline pumping kind of to wake up to something screeching. Yeah, and it is screeching. So, it's like, ee, ee, ee. And I'm like, does it really have to be like that? Come on. <laughs> can, we not, can we not design something a little more user-friendly? Uh, so I wake up to my bird song and I wash my face and then I go and I meditate for anywhere between I've got a couple of presets in my insight timer app it's seven seven minutes 12 minutes or 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and that ritual if I can do that and I really aim to do that every day Sunday sometimes the exception that in and of itself is a ritual that just grounds my day in calm and peace and intention and then throughout the day I uh, I talk about it a lot things like um, hanging out the washing is a big one for me but also just spending maybe one or two minutes looking at the plants in my garden when I'm outside, either if I've taken rubbish out uh, or I'm, you know, feeding the chickens or uh, hanging the clothes out. Those things, again, they're really not a big deal and they don't seem like they'd have an impact, but they have such a grounding impact on my day. I mean, there's what about that, you? Um, yeah, uh, I've got a few. I just want to quickly talk about, so I think something you and I talk about a lot and people might have an aversion to the word is mindfulness because that's really what mm-hmm. rituals do. They kind of bring you back to the yep. present. They're a mindfulness practice. And a lot of people are like, oh, mindfulness, like, no, oh, it's a meditation. Yeah, yep. you know, it's a bit woo or it's a bit – and it, all, all mindfulness is is taking like, – I call it taking a moment or it's awareness or it's noticing. Mm-hmm. But in order to be aware or to take a moment or to notice, you have to just stop for a second yeah and that's yeah so that's what I do I just like so when I come home from dropping the kids at school and I walk up the hill towards our house like quite often um, there is this big 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 blue sky behind our house and I go oh and that's kind of like it's just like I just look at it while I'm walking up the hill so it's like I don't know 20 seconds but it's a moment that I take yep. and then when I come in the house that's usually I've got a five minute 36 meditation <laughs> that I do on the insight timer it's so non-meditation music it's just a real kind of upbeat kind of meditation song and it's not guided I don't like guided meditations but yes yeah, so I just like so I do my little five minute 36 meditation and I always fall asleep in five minutes <laughs> which is ridiculous so yeah so I use that moment when I wake back up when I'm like, oh, where am I? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I fell asleep meditating again. So I find that's a quite a nice little moment as well. But I'm the same as you, like outside, anything nature, like I yeah. 
you know, love noticing colors. Like if the, the tree at the front of my office, like I'm looking at it right now, is a very certain color of green that I really love. It's this really limey kind of green. Mm. My fiddle leaf fig in my office, which I hear these things are traditionally hard to keep alive, but for whatever reason, my fiddle leaf fig just loves it in here. So I take like this every, so it's right by my desk. I see it all the time, but every time I, I just look at it and go, ah, look at that. I like can't Mm. keep a succulent alive. (laughs) (laughs) But this fiddly fiddly fig just is magical. Like it's the nicest one I have ever seen. And it lives in my office and I can't believe it. Yeah. And every time I look at it, it, like Aunt got me for my my birthday last year and it just gives me such, such great pleasure. And I reckon I would have 30 of these moments throughout the day where I just Mm -hmm. take a second to notice something. And now it's such a habit And I think that's the beautiful thing about, you know, those little ritualistic things. They become such a habit, but they don't really take a huge amount of effort anymore. And they take two seconds, five seconds, 10 seconds. But over the course of the day, they just add up to so many little moments of quiet in your head. And yeah, I just think the calm that they create in a, like certainly my mind is a million miles an hour most of the time. So the calm that that creates in my mind, I can't even begin to tell you how, yeah, how much has changed my life for the better. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it's it's so, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I understand that people would hear these tiny little, <laughs> tiny little moments and, and then we're talking about how they change our lives. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Like it, impossible, it's insignificant. But it really, really does. It adds up to something far greater than the sum of its parts. You know, that's why I encourage people to just notice. You know, that's the magic word, just notice. Because from noticing, so much more grows. More noticing, more gratitude, more space, more, 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 you know, <laughs> without being overwhelming. It's, it's, yeah, just noticing. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let It Be. If you want to connect with Kelly or myself, you can find us on social media. Kelly is at Kelly Exeter on Twitter. And on Facebook, if you search for A Life Less Frantic, you will find her there. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Brooklyn Callery. And on Facebook, I'm at Slow Your Home. And uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag Let It Be Pod. Or uh, head over to letitbe.fm and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. And finally, if you wanted or felt, you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And, um, you know, we we read them all and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.